this may not be what the creators intended, but like it can't be an accident that this is in there. Look, I remember it fondly because it had dinosaurs, <laughs> but I remember it unfondly for every other reason. The Black Donnelly's is pure gold, and you guys are wrong. Joey Ice Cream uh, for president. I'm just saying that selfie belongs in the Criterion Collection. Is it working? Uh, <laughs> no. Never, never has anything worked for me in my life, Ronnie. <laughs> Welcome to Ending Pending. I'm your host, Andy. I'm an extended flashback, and I'm Evan. You can tell by those introductions, Ending Pending is a podcast where we discuss television shows which have only lasted for a single season. We're currently covering Amazon Prime's... Oh, it's uh, it's, uh, gas lights and crimes. But before we get into that, I have a bit for us. It's Carnival Row. The show oh, is Carnival th- Row. Thank you. I couldn't remember the name of it. Yeah. I'm sure you couldn't. I no, genuinely brain farted right there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Did you enjoy your little bit that you got to do? Yeah. I'm an award-winning voice actor. So. Yeah. Oh, governor, it's Carnival Row. Oh, I'm an award-winning voice actor. Uh, is Currently uh, playing Crocodile Dundee, playing uh, an Englishman from the late 1800s. Oh, that Jack the Ripper, he's out there cutting up the centaurs and the fairies. And now you're a, a, a little boy selling newspapers. Anyway, uh, before we get into that, I have a bit for us. Also, we miss, we're, we're missing Ronnie this week. He's, uh, he, he's, he's out there in the world, and, and we're missing him dearly, but we're, we're carrying on. Yep, and Ronnie just had a baby, and y'all. Des- deserves a break. Yeah, sometimes people just need a little... A little chill time because they just had a baby. I mean, Ronnie didn't physically birth the baby, but you know he's being—he's being a good parent. He's being a real good dad. Yeah, taking care of that baby, being a good husband. Yeah, and a good friend. I love Ronnie. I love Ronnie too. I miss Ronnie. We got to bring some Ronnie energy. Yeah, we're bringing some Ronnie energy this week. Anyway, I love things. <laughs> I love everything is good. What if uh, I made up a fake version of the thing in my head, and that version's good? Okay. Okay, so the bit is, what is uh, a great sex scene you've seen in, in a movie? And what is a terrible sex scene you've seen in a movie? I guess shows, too, because this is a show. Yeah, oh, uh, that's a good, I mean, that's a good prompt. I'm going to have to think about mm-hmm. it for a minute, though, because they're mostly heterosex scenes. Well, sure. And I tend to dislike most of them, actually. Hmm. Yeah, most sex scenes are bad. Um, the worst sex scene, pretty like I hate to to characterize anything as objective, but objectively, the worst sex scene in any movie is the um, single sex scene in the room that they put in the movie three times. Oh yeah, that's real bad. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's real bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, it's play really the bad. same music and they use the same clips over and over again, and they're all like they're all just they're really awkward. They're very bad. 
Do you have a bad one in mind? Because I'm still trying to think of a I good do. one. I do. I, I have two bad ones in mind. Um, one of them is uh, in Deadpool. And it is when Wade Wilson is getting pegged by his girlfriend. And he complains about it and is clearly very uncomfortable. And it's bad for two reasons. One, Wade Wilson is a bottom. like And canonically bisexual. And canonically bisexual, but he's definitely a bottom. So uh, there's it, it's just bad characterization. And two, he's clearly uncomfortable and not enjoying it. And it's played as a laugh. And uh, those movies love to play uh like male penetration uh receiving penetration as a as a laugh and it's gross and bad um two is enemy at the gates which oh, is when a, they're in the room which is full a, of a people which yeah. is in a world war ii movie about a russian sniper and there's a scene where they're like in a hospital and it's not like a hospital though it's like a mud pit hospital yeah, it's like a bombed out like it's like a trench hospital and uh, they are shoulder to shoulder, full of injured people, and these two characters fuck, and they are they are just surrounded by people. They're just surrounded by wounded soldiers, uh, and there's literally someone on their left and someone on their right, and they decide to fuck, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be like sensual and kind of sexy, and it's just like gross. It's just so gross. You're muddy and dirty and smelly. And you are surrounded by other human beings. It's a really bad sex scene. There's nothing sexy about it. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a good sex scene. It's challenging. Also, there's not a lot of good sex scenes. There's nothing romantic about it either. Like, you can have a sex scene and it just be kind of, like, romantic. It doesn't need to be, like, hot and sexy. There's nothing romantic about it either. It's just gross. What about book? Ooh. having a hard time thinking of good book sex scenes too maybe i just don't like sex scenes maybe that's just what i'm learning from this which i mean that's not entirely true i don't mind a sex scene generally speaking but um yeah i'm having a hard time coming up with one where i was like oh wow that was good and also added something to the story um i don't know if this technically counts because it's like post-sex it's like after sex but uh there's this the scene in game of thrones with oberon where uh he's with the like male prostitute and he's with his uh paramour and they've just finished fucking um and there's like a lot of dialogue about you know oberon being a cool badass bisexual and uh i thought that was well done and it had pedro pascal and pedro pascal uh, is incredibly charming and sexual, so. Yeah, that was pretty good. I agree with you, though. I they don't didn't... know if it counts, though. Yeah, they didn't actually, like, we didn't get to yeah. see them have sex no, in that we're, scene. we're not allowed to, like, see men being sexy in Game of Thrones because mm-hmm. it's weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the one in Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which is, like, a throwback, I remember that being very good because they're, like, beating the shit out of each other but also, like, fucking... They're, like, pulling knives and guns on each other, but also, like, getting each other off and, like, very visceral. Uh, the Zoro sword fight, while not a sex scene, is mm. is basically a sex scene. Mm-hmm. They have a sexy sword fight in Zoro. It's very good. There was... I don't even remember what the movie was called, but there was um, a movie 
with a young Matt Smith in it, um, where he played a gay character, and it took place in like, like pre World War Two Germany, mm. and there was like, I think he was having sex with like a male prostitute, and it was like. It was a little bit funny because he was in like a boarding house and it was like clear that other people could hear. And it was like, it was not like the movie was not like being critical of like he was the main character. It was just meant to be like to sort of like capture the like awkwardness of being like a young person like out on your own for the first time and like trying to have a, a sexual relationship with someone. I thought that wouldn't, like, like I said, I can't even remember what the movie was called. I saw this a long time ago, yeah. but it was what sprang to mind when I was like, yeah, that was a pretty good sex scene because it's, it's gay. And Did... also like, it was like, sort of like endearing, like it mm-hmm. was, it was, it was attractive. It was, it was positive yeah. to watch, but it was also like, there were other people like in other rooms, like covering their ears and you're like, oh geez, uh, <laughs> relatable. Did Lee Pace get a sex scene in Hot and Catch Fire? He, we saw him make out with a dude. I don't think we got to see the sex stuff. I, 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 oh no! Wait, he had sex with um um Mackenzie Davis's character. Yeah. I don't remember exactly how far that got either. I know they they it was AMC. So how much can they show? Yeah, but... they were like in a back room or something. Yeah. They had they had sex on like a pinball machine or something like that. So yeah, you're right. I don't think we saw much, but I think they did have sex. Yeah here for any Lee Pace sex scene. Also, while I am very gay, Mackenzie Davis could punch me in the throat. Sexually. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say thank you. Once I stopped gasping for air. That's her name, right? I'm doubting myself now. That sounds right. It sounds right. Uh, if it's wrong, I'll buff, put a correction in the... The buff woman from Terminator. Um, yeah. From the new Terminator, not the old Terminator. Yeah, the very new Terminator. The new buff woman. Yeah, and uh, she's in that lesbian Christmas uh, Christmas movie. movie. I think that's her name. Mm -hmm. Uh, Anyway, let's talk about this show. Uh, We we talked about sex scenes because there's a really fucking hot sex scene in these Mm -hmm. episodes. Yeah, I knew I couldn't cite this one. That would be cheating. Yeah, that was really well done. It was a good one. It it might be the best sex scene I've ever seen uh, with two... uh, Presumably straight people. Mm-hmm. They are both very good looking yes. in the sort of like they're both my type, so mm-hmm. that helped. And then we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, but um, we're going to talk about sex a lot this episode. Yeah, well, we're going to talk about other things too. But yeah, we're going to talk about sex and um, uh, like a sort of a sort of, almost a sexual assault of Orlando Bloom's character, sort of. It, it, we have to explain it. We'll get into it. You'll see. Or you won't if you don't like that sort of thing. We're just giving you a heads up. Um, episode three is called Kingdom, Kingdoms of the Moon. And it's all flashback all the time, baby. Um, it, we're, we flash back to uh, when Philo was a young man in the Burgish army. And him and his group... I don't know what a group of soldiers is called, but squad, his a, squad, a legion, his platoon. I don't know. Compliment the 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 gang of dudes, the gang of soldiers he was with, 
um, uh, like are they have uh, they're quartering in like a a temple complex with like some some small houses around it that uh, like Fey people are also living in. I think many of them are refugees. But yeah, they're in they're in uh, Tirnanok and they're uh, they're quartering in this like temple complex. And uh, the fairies who live there are a little bit suspicious of them, but they're like, okay, these guys are less bad than the other guys who are also invading us. So like, yeah, okay, you can stay here. Um, uh, Philo's checking around the place and he stumbles upon a secret library that Vignette is the uh, steward of. And she's mad that he's there and she threatens to kill him. And he's like, I'm not going to tell anybody about the library. And she's like, yeah, you better not. And he's like, I won't. And she's like, you better not. And he's like, I won't. Uh, and so a few days go by and he doesn't tell anybody about the, the library. And she seems to like think he's okay now because he didn't tell anybody about the library. So his, uh, his troop... His platoon, his group of dudes, uh, Philo's group of dudes, are trying to lay a telegraph line. So that they, it doesn't matter why, they got to communicate with somebody. Uh, and there's this big ravine that they got to get the telegraph line across. And uh, they can't, like, get it. They, you know, they can climb up the other side, but they can't run the telegraph line over there. So he's like, uh, oh, I know, I know somebody. I know a fairy who will help us. And he's like, hey, Vignette, can you help us run this telegraph line? And she's like, I guess. I guess I can, because you're cool and you didn't rat out my secret library, the sacred temple library here. And so uh, she helps them out, and while they're out there laying this telegraph line, uh, they get attacked by uh, packed soldiers. I had totally forgotten there were werewolves in this show. Packed soldiers are uh, werewolves. They're using uh, some kind of werewolf serum to basically make they're soldiers, super soldiers. They like they've, you know, apparently under normal circumstances, if you have the werewolf disease, you only turn into a werewolf at the full moon. But they've got some kind of serum that makes you a werewolf, and they're uh, making people take it to make them fight good and more. Just some wolf lads. Yeah, some wolf lads. So um, these Orlando Blooms dudes get attacked, and um, some of them die, but they kill all the werewolf dudes. But um, uh, it's clear, and this will be revealed later, that one of Orlando Bloom's uh, buddies got bit. So um, they uh, are back at the village. Um, oh, oh, uh, Orlando Bloom's character, Philo, uh, gives um, uh, Vignette a book, a romance novel. And she's like, that's dumb. Uh, and he's like, you'll like it. You should read it. And she's like, that's dumb, but I guess. Um, and she really likes it and is touched by it. And uh, then she shows him uh, a fairy book with a similar premise. And they start bonding and they fall in love and they start having sex. And um, the through intimacy and getting to know each other and falling in love, uh, Orlando Bloom's character, I keep calling him Orlando Bloom, his character's name is Philo, uh, like, reveals to Vignette that, uh, the scars on his back 
are from uh, wings having been removed when he was a little baby. And he can't remember it happening, but he knows that he's not like full-blooded human. And he knows that when he was a baby, this must have happened to him because like medical things he found out somehow. Like he knows he can't like donate blood to humans because it's it's incompatible. I don't know how exactly he found that out, but anyway. Uh, so this is his dark secret that Vignette alluded to in another episode. This is this is you know the burden that Philo has been carrying his whole life and why he's so sympathetic to to fairies and stuff like that. Um, so the area they're, like, staying at gets attacked, finally, uh, by, by Burgish soldiers, and, uh, Vignette insists that she and Philo are gonna run away together, um, oh, Tourmaline turned up earlier in this episode as well. And they went deeper into, uh, like, how she and Vignette used to be a thing. And uh, it's clear that Vignette is not in love with Tourmaline anymore, but Tourmaline's kind of still in love with Vignette. So uh, they get attacked, and things are dire, and uh, Vignette has to go and uh, seal off the library so it won't get destroyed or looted or whatever. And she's like... But after that, we have to leave together because I love you. And um, Tourmaline has told Philo that uh, uh, if he allows Vignette to like come back to the Berg with him, then her life will be miserable and or she'll get killed and or things will be bad and he should feel guilty and break up with her. And so what he decides to do in the short period of time that uh, they're under attack and Vignette is far away from him somehow, is fake his own death so that Vignette will not attempt to, uh, like, put herself in danger to be with him. It's not quite as dramatic. Like, he doesn't, like, pretend to get shot or something. He just tells the, like, high priestess and Tourmaline to tell Vignette that he died. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, in his defense, he made sort of a split second decision there and there were bombs going off and shit. So anyway, we'll talk about that more later. Um, <clears throat> episode four is called The Joining of Unlike Things. Um, there's a, a short bit at the beginning in like an orphan's home and the, the, um, headmaster the guy the guy in charge of the orphan's home gets killed by some kind of horrible beast thing that we don't see clearly um uh philo of course is called to investigate um and he's like these footprints don't make any sense this doesn't like it's like a shapeshifter or something what the heck is going on here so he goes to a fairy priestess like have you heard about anything like this? Because it, like, seems to be changing shape and it's eating people's livers and, like, what, like... What um, the fuck? It's clearly not human. Like, what the fuck is going on? And she's like, um, well, there's this legend about a thing called a dark asher and, um, it's made out of, uh, corpses of dead stuff. And he's like, all right, I gotta dig into this further. So he goes to 
like a witch and is like, hey, so is this a real thing that can be made? And the witch is like, maybe. And um, she says that she can make one for him. Um, but she has to knock him out and steal his semen and also take some dead animal parts and make them into the this zombie thing. He's trying to he's doing this to try to prove that this is a thing that's possible, basically. He's not just like a weird freako. Um meanwhile, uh you will recall that there is a politician whose story we have also been following. His son was quote unquote kidnapped, and then his wife, uh who who is the one who actually kidnapped his son, uh uh tricked him into thinking that his political enemy kidnapped his son. So the politician has an outburst at this other, at this political enemy of his and um, uh, has his, like, bodyguards, uh, like, essentially kidnap this guy, this, this political enemy of his. And uh, they, they put him in their basement and this guy tortures him. And is like, wow, what did you do with my son? And the guy's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I didn't kidnap your son. Because it was the wife. Um, and speaking of Ober and Martell. Yeah. Um, so the 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 guy, the, the the guy whose son was kidnapped is named Absalom. And so he's he beats up his this political enemy of his, and uh his wife. Uh, Absalom's wife, Piety, uh, slips the guy some poison when Absalom's not looking and is like, oops, looks like you beat him up too hard. He's dead, but don't worry. He confessed to me just before he died where our son is. She knows where the son is because she kidnapped him. Um, so uh, they rescue the son and, oh, all is well. Um, but the son seems to suspect that it was, in fact, his mother who kidnapped him because he hears her shoes on the hard floor and they sound suspiciously like the shoes of the person who kidnapped him. Um, meanwhile, uh, Vignette is working for these, um, like, fairy IRA people, these, like, fairy resistance mm -hmm. uh, underground, uh, the Brotherhood of Evil fairies. And one of them is really hot. One of them is really hot. Um, that's, mm. uh, the character's name is Hamlin. I don't know what the actor's name is. Um, so the, she's working for these, the, the Brotherhood of Evil Fairies is what we're going to call them. Um, and somebody sees her with Philo because she confronts him, uh, about, you know, him being, uh, a sad sack and a douche and, uh, letting her think that he was dead. And they're like, oops, you're, you're a traitor. You're ratting us out to that guy. And she's like, I swear to God, I'm not ratting you out to that guy. I swear I'm not. And they're like, mm, we think you are, though. Um, we're going to kill you about it. And she's like, no, 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 no. Uh, it's good that I know a cop, actually, because I can get you valuable information. Please don't kill me. And um, uh, Dahlia, the leader of the Brotherhood of Evil Fairies, is like, okay, I'm not going to kill you right now, but you've got to prove that you can get me valuable information from your cop boyfriend. Um, so I know that there's a rat in my organization. you got to find the rat 
and you gotta kill him. You personally. Um, so now she's uh, gotta find, she's gotta go back to Philo and be like, Philo, uh, who's been giving you information? Uh, you, you gotta give him up or they're gonna kill me. And he does, because he loves her on some level still. It's complicated. And she then has to kill that guy. And uh, she's she's back in okay with the uh, the Brotherhood of Evil Fairies. Meanwhile, um, uh, Imogen, the uh, annoying rich lady. I say annoying. I don't actually find the, the, the actress annoying. The character's meant to be annoying, though. The annoying rich lady whose brother is bad at investments and who has a new neighbor who is a fawn. Um, she invites him over to her house because she's going to try to sort of like, not seduce him, but she's going to try to like get on his good side so that he'll give her some money. He's like, oh, this guy is so desperate to like get in with polite society because he's an outsider that he'll be super grateful to me for being his friend and then I'll be able to wring money out of him. And he's like, um, stop fucking around with me, you asshole lady. Uh, like, this isn't, this isn't funny or cute. Like, ha how you're having me over to your house to make fun of me. I'm not into it. Um, so he has uh, his manservant slash sort of friend of his. It seems like uh, this, this guy, this fawn, is like close with his like human manservant. And he has his human manservant, like, look into uh, Imogen and her brother's affairs. And the guy's like, oh, um, she wasn't doing that to make fun of you. She's actually, like, on the verge of bankruptcy. And the guy's like, you know what? I, I can make this work, actually. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strike a deal with her to, uh, she gets what she wants, money. I get what I want, which is entree into polite society. So, um you know, win-win situation. And that's what's happening. I looked up the hot guy's name. He is Serbian, so I might not um, pronounce this perfectly, but uh, Dijan Bukin, D-E-J-A-N, and then Bukin is B-U-C-I-N, and he's he's so hot. He's yeah. so hot. His His whole look in this show really, like, enhances his natural yeah. hotness also it's a really good look yeah mm. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he gets dead though he, he gets he does stabbed. he does get yeah. stabbed yeah and which then, is a shame yeah homophobic actually <laughs> he was kind of an asshole but they seem to be going hard towards the end there to make him seem like more of an asshole so we wouldn't be too mad at vignette for having to kill him i'll never forgive her I know Bloom's alive though, and he's yeah, still hot. Yeah, mm, that's true. Mm -hmm. Um, Evan. Yes, Andy. What did you think of these two episodes of Carnival Rose? I liked them. I thought they were good. Hey, Andy. Oi! Hey, Governor. Um. What did what did you think of these two episodes of Carnival Row? Crocky, I thought. Oh <laughs> shit! No, we're gone. We're gone. Uh, I th bloom in hell. Uh, I thought bloody. Oh, uh, blood, bloody hell, governor. Did I you almost say bloom and onion? Onion, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, 
audio voice, award-winning act, voice actor. Uh, I I thought these uh, two episodes of uh, Carnival Row were quite good. Uh, a, a step up from last week. I thought these episodes really, really ruled, actually. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're going to have more good things than bad things to say about them. Uh, so do you want to do bad things first and then spend some time on some good things? Sure. Um. Can I go? Sure, go ahead. The werewolves look bad. Yeah, I don't think the werewolves look very good. They're too muscly and they're completely, like, hairless. And I feel like they're completely hairless because they are, uh... Easier to animate that way. Probably, yeah. But if you can't make your werewolves look good, then don't don't have the enemy army be comprised almost entirely of werewolves. Yeah, I I like it as a world building choice. Sure, it's fun. Um but, I love a werewolf. Yeah, but you know, I agree with you. They they sort of they are sort of hyena shaped. They're very broad. They're like a, a cross between a bulldog and a hyena. I was gonna big. say that they're like bulldogs, yeah. Yeah. Their like legs look kind of dumb, like bulldogs do. Mm-hmm. They've got a very broad stance, muscly, and they've got like hunched shoulders, like a hyena. Um, they got sort of hyena-shaped heads too. They mm-hmm. got like snoots. Yeah, they, they got, got sort of short, square snouts. Um, yeah, I. Um, they look bad. Yeah, they don't look very good. Nope. Um. Uh, I, oh, I, 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 I do want to say, in light of that, though. I can always forgive, you know, kind of questionable special effects. Like, to me, that's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the story is good and the action is, like, compelling and fine, like, I can overlook something like that. So, uh, even though I think that the werewolves are kind of disappointing here, it does not take away from the really fun action uh, in that episode. Um, yeah, I... I... I'm not crazy about this Brotherhood of Evil Fairies plot. Uh, I like that this organization exists. I think it makes sense. I think it's an interesting world-building element. Um, but it it makes increasingly less sense as time goes on for Vignette to still be with them. You know, like, they're creating a lot of plot. They're creating a lot of drama. Because um, now she's, like, in direct conflict with Philo as opposed to just, like being a bitter ex at him. I say that, uh, like, kind of jokingly. She has every right to be angry. But, um... Yeah, like, the the lady who runs the Brotherhood of Evil Fairies is, like, straight-up murderous. Like, she, she gives no quarter at all, and, uh, it just seems like an incredibly dangerous and incredibly disadvantageous position for, um vignette to be in so i i struggle i struggle to make it make sense uh i i don't there's just too much going on there um we also don't see vignette directly experience much discrimination before joining Mm -hmm. which uh like we the viewer know that the the fey folk are second-class citizens and discriminated against in the bird. But we don't see much, if any, like, actually happen to Vignette because of her fairy status. We mostly just see, like, 
classist stuff from her shitty boss. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I think it maybe would have like been more relatable for her to join this very extreme organization if we had seen like more reason for it. I mean, like on the flip side, though, I don't I don't necessarily want to see her like go through like a trauma parade before like having the agency to join this organization, like to make the choice to join this organization. So I like, that's a thin line to walk. I don't need like a montage of her, like Eponine. Yeah. Like, like (laughs) just like selling her teeth and shit, you know, like I don't need Uh, that, but. uh, That was uh, Fontaine. Fontaine. Sorry. Sorry. Um, but like, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Cause on the one hand, it's like, as a queer person, I get it. I would totally join the Brotherhood of Evil Queers on the flip side. Uh, it seems like she joined it at the drop of a hat. And, uh, I too have had shitty bosses and have not joined a, uh, a terrorist cell, uh, in, in the burg. So, yeah, I, I actually think they could have solved this problem just by making, uh, Dahlia, the the leader of the brotherhood of evil fairies more measured and more charismatic mm. you know if we hadn't opened on her murdering someone for disloyalty uh if she had seemed much more welcoming and much more like um you know she says a lot of stuff about like we got to stick to our own kind and uh like fuck the you know she says a lot of stuff about like uh, you know, like, uh, defending their community and stuff like that. But she does it while she's stabbing other fairies to death for not, um, like, being committed enough to her cause, you know? Mm-hmm. So if she had just been introduced with a lot more of this, like, uh, a lot more warmth, and if she had seemed a lot more genuine in her concern for, like, looking out for fairy welfare... And then it had been revealed a little bit more slowly that she was like going about this in much too extreme of a way and was much too volatile as a leader. Like then it would have made a little bit more sense for Vignette to stick around. Also, if she had just been saying any of this while stabbing humans would have been way more on board. Yeah. Like if she had a, a, a human who she had one of the cops. Yeah. One of the shitty racist cops. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. If she had, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, bribed a cop and had been worried that the cop was going to rat them out or something. Like, yeah, she could. That first scene could have been her like throwing a cop off a roof, and uh, I could have been like, "Fuck yeah, girl, yeah, you know what's up." Um, but yeah, like the literally the first thing Vignette sees of this woman is her uh like throwing another fairy off a roof for not being loyal enough to their cause, and then the second thing, uh that happens is vignette herself is almost thrown off a roof for not being loyal enough to their cause and then the third thing that happens is vignette has to kill someone else for not being loyal enough to their cause so it really seems just like uh like a killing other fairies factory around here um Mm -hmm. not a good organization to be involved with hard to have faith in that organization and one of them was really hot yeah she had to kill such a hot guy yeah oh oh so upsetting. Yeah. It's more of a crime when someone beautiful dies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> His beard was perfect. Yeah. 
And his coat, his coat was really cool. His hair was good. His beard was good. His yeah. coat was good. Had big wings. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I don't love that. Um, uh, Orlando Bloom got sexually assaulted. Uh, Vignette almost got sexually assaulted in a previous episode, and like didn't like that. Um, but you know, it, it was clearly uh, extremely immediate and compelling reason that she had to get out of there, and also like. You know, it didn't. It didn't happen. Like the guy attacked her, but she defended herself and then got out of that situation. Um, the weird witch lady, um, like stealing Orlando Bloom's semen when he didn't actually consent to that, uh, was weird. Just a weird choice, you know. Yeah, I think it was kind of also meant to be like a joke, and it's like that's this isn't funny. I don't think it was meant to be... It didn't strike me as funny. Like, nothing about the framing of it struck me as funny. Um, it, it, I think it was supposed to be, like, kind of dark and gross. And so, like, sort of illustrate, like, how perverse the creation of this type of creature is. Um, but, yeah, if, if he had had this explained to him properly, I don't think he would have gone through with it. So that's it's, it's weird. I think that's all I have that I don't like. Maybe something else will occur to me as we go through the rest yeah. of it. But yeah, uh, there were many things that I liked. Mm-hmm. Lots of things. All of the the war flashbacks are really good. Um, we spent like a long time there, and it's it's very compelling. Yeah, I gotta say, I. Am invested in uh, Philo and Vignette. I I don't often get invested in uh, like straight people romances, but I think this show has done a really good job of like establishing why their personalities work together so well, and uh, like setting up this little this little um, like series of events that led to them falling in love was really good. It was it was the sort of thing that would make me fall in love with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, uh, Philo gives Vignette a romance novel that he says is one of his favorite books. First of all, I love that it's the male character that gives the female character the romance novel. Mm-hmm. And he explains in a very like measured level way, oh, it's a scientific romance. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's like, oh, there's an inventor. And he goes to the moon and he falls in love with the moon princess. And I'm like, that's the fucking cutest thing I've ever heard. That's the, I love it. It's so cute. It's I want to read good. this novel. I want to read it. Um, And like, I don't know. It's just like, it plays out in a way that I feel is like very natural and like suits what we know about their personalities. Because, um, the the show does a good job of establishing vignette as uh like a very she has like very powerful emotions like she's very like hot and cold and she's like very um she's very committed to her ideals um but also like she can be persuaded otherwise and when she's persuaded otherwise she's very committed to that ideal so like when they meet she like puts a fucking knife to uh, Philo's throat and is like, you better not fucking tell anybody about my library or I'll stab you to death, so help me God. And he's like, okay. 
we're this is fine. We're mm-hmm. fine here. Uh, I'm not gonna tell anybody about your library, so it's cool. Don't worry. And he's just like, he's just such like a chill level person that he like really, you know, he like levels her out. She, like it just, it just ma- it makes sense. It's all yeah. it it all works. I feel like there is a lot of queer coding in this show there's some subtextual stuff there's some metaphor going on and it doesn't track one to one but philo to me feels very trans yeah i feel the same way i was actually trying to think about like you're right it doesn't map like none of the um like metaphors in this show exactly like map Mm -hmm. one to one with real life struggles, it's very X Men in that way. Yeah, I think they X Men doesn't map one to one to anything either. Yeah, I think I I like that about mm-hmm. it. But I was trying to think like what is like what is the closest that you could get to to something like what Philo is going through. My take, listener, my take is that the closest you can get to that would be uh, being intersex, because uh, as an infant he was subject to a surgery that he could not consent to because he was deemed unacceptable by like the standards of the world and he so he was given a surgery against his will to make him fit in and it's something that people only know about in medical situations like when they had to collect blood and in like intimate situations like when he's with like when he's having sex with somebody, like mm-hmm. the the woman he had sex with uh, earlier in the show, uh, like commented on the like the scars. large visible scars on his back, and then Vignette also commented mm-hmm. on them before he explained to her what was up with that. So uh, I don't think that was intentional, but like I see it in there, yeah. and then I think the second closest thing would be being trans because it's a similar situation where like. Yeah. Uh, he he passes in the majority society, but he uh, very much aligns with the uh, discriminated against, the marginalized society that he is from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has chosen to uh, like employ his passing privilege, and the the scene where he makes the choice at the end of the episode to like. He says, like, I've made my choice, uh, and he goes on a date with the, like, very hetero woman, rather than, like, this firebrand, uh, marginalized person that he also has a history with, and who, like, he was out to, and she knew his secret and accepted it, uh, is, is, like, very, it's very interesting stuff, and Mm -hmm. it's, it feels like a very queer story, and, um... I think the intersex thing does track better because of this whole idea of like the trauma of this surgery that he didn't want. Like that is not a trans experience to have, you know, this, this surgery done against your will that you didn't want kind of thing. Like it doesn't map one-to-one to a trans thing, but this idea of like these scars are the thing that give him away. And, um, he chooses to, you know, there's, there's still a lot there that I think, can map onto a trans metaphor 
if you're looking for that. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, the scene where he is telling uh, Vignette about his wings and how he can feel them. And Orlando Bloom does a... I guess you'd call it a wiggle. But he does like a shimmy. And it's very... Oh, like when is, she touches his back? It is exactly yeah. the thing that we see a lot of the fairies do like before they fly. It's fucking heart-wrenching. Yeah. It's, I, I That stuck out to me too. The, That's the, right. the physical performance there is heartbreaking. Orlando Bloom is conveying so much pain and so much angst to this character and that scene is just fucking brutal. It's good shit. Mm -hmm. Um, And as Andy alluded to, uh, the sex scene between Philo and Vignette, like the first one specifically, like the the important one, the new relationship one, uh, very good sex scene. Now, that you have to suspend your disbelief a little bit because we know that it's fucking snowing outside and they're like in a cave and it's wet and it's like <laughs> that would have to be like so fucking cold and uncomfortable but like you do you do forget that in a sec because it looks really beautiful and um like there's a lot of focus on vignette but like it's like the and her pleasure yeah, yeah. like she's clearly enjoying it Mm -hmm. and uh like the only time it sort of cuts to philo is when he's like staring at her adoringly yeah like he's just like he just cannot believe that he has scored this chick (laughs) it it doesn't feel exploitative it doesn't feel male gazy and it's so hot and heavy still too like when he's touching her wing and it's like lighting up at his touch and he's like caressing it. It's uh it, it's real cool. And um there's a specific position at one point where she's kind of like flying in place a little bit. It's real hot, y'all. It's mm-hmm. just it's a very good sex scene. I'm trying to keep this as a like PG thirteen in my description. Yeah, and it's clear that um like not not only is it that uh you know He's in love with this woman, and this is a real big moment for him, but uh, he's also, like, reclaiming some of his lost identity mm-hmm. in this sex scene, like, with the like with him touching her wings and stuff like that. Like, it's, it's good. Like, you can yeah. tell. You can tell what's going on. Even though you have not been told at this point in the story that he had his wings cut off as a baby, like, you're, if you can't... If you can't start to think that maybe that's what's happening here from like the comments that have happened already and from watching this sex scene, um, you, I, I feel like you're not focused on the what's going on here. Yeah, they're they're laying out breadcrumbs and uh, this this idea that like this scene is like this moment for Philo is a moment between him and Vignette for sure, but it is also this moment of him. Um, connecting with this identity that was stolen from him mm-hmm. uh which is very interesting um i also uh think that the uh i need to figure out this other character's name the the uh uh fawn who li- the rich fawn who lives across the street from 
Imogen and Ezra. Um, Agrius, Agrius, this this uh, developing uh, like uh, social relationship between these two characters, I think, is very interesting. I agree. Yeah, and like I said, the this actress is doing a phenomenal job because the the character's meant to be annoying, but it doesn't annoy me to watch her and to like watch their scenes together. So like that takes some real skill. She gets <laughs> she's like laying out her plan to her servant and she's so proud of herself and she is so convinced that like it's going to go off without a hitch and he's going to be so desperate for my friendship and I'm going to, you know, kind of outsmart him and trick him and uh he doesn't directly figure it out, but he gets so damn close with being like, you brought me here to mock me and like, I'm not standing for it. And he leaves and he like calls out all the little tricks she did with how she invited him and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And she and- invited him by letter and she made up some excuse for him to come around the back. And he's like, do you think I'm fucking stupid? Yeah. Like, and come he, on. he lays it all out. And Agrius is, uh, super compelling in everything he says and like he's playing the whole meeting super cool super chill and then he calls her on it and um he like loses his cool a little bit like he like raises his voice and you can tell like he's put up with so much shit and he's just exhausted and worn down um but like yeah it's so good they're they're very very interesting characters together And it seems like by the end of it that they're going to be friends a little bit. Like, uh, he goes to apologize at, like, raising his voice and, like, yelling at her. And she confesses everything and, like, apologizes. And it seems like they're, like, seeing each other for the first time uh, as as actual people. Um, Like, he saw her just as a stuck-up bitch. And she saw him just as, uh, you know, a fawn. And now they're... Uh, you know, seeing each other as as people now. Hmm. Um. Oh. Uh. I I liked the scene with the 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 guy who got transformed into a werewolf. Yeah, Darius. Yeah. Have we seen him in the Berg? Is um, he around still? Is he still alive? I don't know. Oh, Um, he's in prison. He was in prison in episode oh, two. Oh, right. He's the guy that Philo was visiting. Okay. I don't even think I mentioned that in my yeah. summaries. But uh, yeah, there's been one or two scenes where uh, Philo goes to visit a guy in prison and they talk about like having been soldiers together. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, you don't have to come visit me every day. Like you, you can go and live your life. And he's like, uh, Philo is like, no, that wouldn't be right it could have been me in there instead of you you know and we don't know what he's talking about until we see this flashback where yeah. this guy's transformed into a werewolf um yeah the like he uh he gets bit and he doesn't tell anybody and when the full moon comes around he uh like goes outside the the city walls and like you obviously like lose control of your brain when you're a werewolf because he like wakes up and he's killed a deer and uh philo comes and finds him and like brings his clothes back and stuff and uh 
Uh, I, I'm sure that Philo doesn't rat him out. I don't know how he's ultimately caught because Philo's got this uh, very strong empathy for uh, non-humans. And uh, the the guy, Darius, is like, yeah, you know, I um, it, it kind of sucks being a werewolf, but uh, I honestly can't say I don't like it. Because uh, it's like it's finally given me an excuse to be myself almost. And I just thought I just thought it was a real good scene. I thought mm-hmm. it was interesting. Uh, the the baddies, uh, the ones that we finally see towards the end of the episode with their Zeppelins, they're kind of like steampunk orcs. Like, yeah, it's clearly like humans in like welding gas mask situations going on. Mm-hmm. But they kind of like walk funny. And we never see their faces or skin, so we don't quite know what's going on under their clothes. But uh, I, I, I dig them. They're kind of they they feel just alien enough, and I like that they have zeppelins. I like blimps. Mm-hmm. I like a good blimp gun. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's all the stuff that really stuck out to me. Uh. Yeah, the the stuff with the the evil mom and the son, that's interesting. The the fact that the son is like figuring like the pieces out. I I, I like that he has some uh some agency going on in his kidnapping, you know, he's putting clues together. I don't remember what happens there, so I'm interested to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh the husband is a big dummy, mm-hmm. but he thinks he's real smart and that's always fun you know kind of like the the other rich lady who thought she was being real clever and gets called out immediately this dude is so clearly like in over his head but he thinks he's like the power uh and his wife is just running everything here for it yeah also played by jared harris i don't think we've mentioned that um but excellent casting yeah that guy yeah has extreme like uh he's got real politician vibes you know he's got real authority figure uh smart guy academic vibes he was moriarty right yes yeah so like when he shows up i'm like oh that's moriarty clearly he's a super villain who knows everything that's going on and like the fake out of no actually it's his wife who's super evil and is actually the one like doing everything it's like oh shit here i was just assuming because this guy played moriarty that this character would also be uh, a super villain genius mm-hmm. good stuff yeah, this show rules. Uh, these episodes were great, and they were a lot of fun. Yep, this is my shit. Well, yeah, I feel like that's all we have to say yeah. about this show. Ronnie normally does the spiel at the end of the episode. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Um, follow us on Twitter at PendingPod. Uh, you can... Go to our Patreon, uh, where they may patreon.com. No. Uh, Patreon, Patreon.com slash WTM radio. There we go. There we yep. go. Uh, there's there's rewards there. We got where they may may coming up. Um, we're going to be putting out some stuff for that. Oh, I got to write a newsletter. Yeah, get on that newsletter. Write the babe. newsletter. Yep. I got um, it. If you give us money, we get a newsletter. I get to talk about uh, stuff. Uh, that I've been reading and watching that uh, isn't stuff that we cover for the show. 
uh, follow our other shows on the network. Force Friends Rewatch uh, has a really cool episode coming out soon where we got to interview E.K. Johnston about her new uh, Star Wars novel, which was really dope. She was uh, she gave us a lot of her time, and it was really fun to sit down and talk with her about that. Uh, Good Neighbors just wrapped campaign one, baby. The yeah. Fin- the finale is out. We won some awards. It's very exciting. In case you didn't hear, in case you haven't heard from anywhere, um, you know, just by chance, Andy is now an award-winning voice actor. Oh, and, uh, now I'm not just full <laughs> of shit, eh? And uh, 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 Good Neighbors is an award-winning uh, improvisational podcast. Yeah, uh, there's only 63 episodes. It's not that big a commitment. Most of them are under an hour. There's one or two that's maybe a little bit longer. But uh, if you haven't uh, dived in yet, you should dive in. Uh, and uh, fan fiction is good, actually. On a little bit of a hiatus, but the episodes... I, I have are... another episode recorded, oh. and I am editing it. Nice. Yep. But uh, the episodes that are out are all bangers. Uh, I really liked the Val Patron episode. That Val. was a really good one, babe. Thank you. Yeah. Val Patron rules. Val Patron does rule. Yeah. And uh, your episode with them was great. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, speaking of Moriarty. Yeah. Little Mew Mew right there. <laughs> James Moriarty's perfect little pog champ. Yeah. So there you go. Mm, meow Meow. Uh, listen, listen to all the shows on the network. They're all bangers. Uh, Ronnie does so much for the network, and we really appreciate uh, everything that they do so uh send ronnie some encouragement and if you uh i don't know just tell ronnie that they're great yeah the reason my episodes come out so slowly is because ronnie's uh overburdened and i have to edit them myself so uh, that's that's me and uh that's ronnie for you (laughs) ronnie's amazing ronnie's amazing ronnie does so much he does so much he does he does. Ronnie is our everything. Uh, we miss you, Ronnie. We can't wait to have you back. All right. Well, that's uh, that's gonna do it for us. How do we end these episodes, Evan? Um. Um. Unionize. Yeah. Uh. Fuck cops. Yeah. Uh. Fuck Elon Musk. Yeah. Fuck Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Um. Uh. The guy who owns Twitter currently is not good either. Um. Cheek. Yeah, I don't know fuck who the Jake. I don't know who the fuck he is, but um, the, whoever owns Twitter currently is also not good. But uh, also, fuck Elon Musk. Fuck Elon Musk. Yeah. Tank Tesla's stock. Tanking. Just like speculate about how Tesla is circling the drain loudly online. That's all you have to do. All right. Well, that's, that's it. Yeah. Right. Bye. Where they may radio.